without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined as always by professional better Raheem Palmer and NBA slash NFL analyst Brandon Anderson. Raheem, how was your weekend? Congrats on sliding into the money in the contest that you're uh, participating in for NFL picks. Yeah, I can't complain. Life is good. 4-0 against the spread. We have the Patriots tonight. Hopefully they can close it out on 5-0. That'll push me up even higher. So we just got to keep this thing rolling. We got five weeks left. I feel like a boxer. I'm in the championship rounds. Got to win every fight. So, And your NBA picks have been on fire as well. Those have been hot. You can track those in the Action Network app. Brandon, you had yourself a great weekend for NFL too, including your big parlay hit. Congrats on that. How the props been treating you on NBA? Yeah, they've been good. Uh, we had a good Friday props podcast with Joe Delera. So make sure to check that out if you haven't listened yet. We've been doing these escalator props, playing some of these higher alt lines, kind of escalating upward and had a big night, I think, on Wednesday uh, with a few of those. So getting some good hits, playing some guys at their basic lines and then over, over, over as we get some good ones. So hit on Capella. We've hit on Jared Vanderbilt. I forget who the guys were last week, but uh, we're getting into a bit of a groove here as we're finally kind of settled in about a month into the year. I'm on a four-night hot streak betting NBA. I've been I'm positive in the green four nights in a row. So as we record this on Monday, I'm expecting to lose my shirt on Monday night. But God, it was like water in the desert this week for me. Let's go ahead and get into this week's show, changing the format up this week. So let's go ahead and get started with a look at our power rankings. We are going to go ahead and take a look this week at what our models power rankings say about the top five teams in the NBA. We won't do this every week because they're not going to change all that much from week to week, but I want to get a differential in where we stand. Raheem, let's start with you. What's the number one team in your model? I have the Golden State Warriors. They're about four points better than anybody else. I mean, they're just dominant right now. So the number one team in my, in my model right now. Yeah, I've got uh, the Warriors one as well. It's been I think it's interesting the difference between them and the Suns. Um, mine's going to look a little bit different, but I've only got them about 0.9 uh, ahead of the Suns. I, I think it's an interesting question, right? Where the Suns took that win um, and then the, they lost the second one without Booker on the road. The Warriors have been dominant. The Suns, I think they faced about an even level of strength of schedule. Um, Brandon, what's your number one team? Yeah, I have the Warriors too. I'm higher on the Warriors. Though. We all have them number one, but I have a gulf between them and, and the next. I actually left my number two blank just to show exactly how far ahead I have the Warriors of everyone else. Just they're so far ahead in net rating and SRS at basketball reference, especially the defense. Like we know they're number one defense, but the defensive rating is so far ahead of really any of the other competition. And, you know, looks like Clay will be back soon. So yeah, all things go for Warriors at number one. You know, it's interesting. The Suns are eighth in adjusted offensive rating. Um, they're third in adjusted defensive rating. The Warriors are the Warriors and Suns, I believe, are the only two teams that have an adjusted offensive rating above 110 and adjusted defensive rating below 105. Those are the only two teams um, that have both of those spots. The Bulls are almost there, but not quite. 
Um, the Jazz are almost there, but not quite. Their defense isn't quite as good. I will say, look, you, the the Suns have had the 22nd ranked strength of schedule. The Warriors have had the 26th. And now some of that, they've played those teams, right? And some of those times they've played them multiple times. Um, but it is kind of an interesting question. Raheem, am I correct in assuming that the Suns are second on your list? They're actually not second on my Ooh. list. I actually have the Utah Jazz Ooh. second on my list. It's actually somewhat of a surprise, but you look at the SRS. The Jazz actually have a better SRS. So some of that may be competition-based. Some of that may be the fact that Phoenix, they weren't really blowing out teams. So they they had games where they're winning by one or two points where the Jazz were just kind of smoking teams. That's the reason why I have them second by a point and a half. Yeah, so I've got um, Jazz is one. The Suns are actually .8 behind the Warriors. The Jazz are uh, 1.1 behind the Suns. A lot of it's because of the defense. So my numbers are, are basically trying to, like the power rating is based off of what is your half court and transition performance versus an average team. So we take the average performance of teams in the half court and in transition based on the average amount of time that teams spend in half court and transition. How much better are those teams? Then got you. So, yeah, so, my- much, so much of my rating is um, net rating. Mm-hmm. So that, that factors in that the Jazz have a net rating of 9.4. The Suns have a net rating of 6.5. So that makes up the difference. I mean, even though it appears that, yeah, I mean, that's just pretty, that's, that's a big difference right there. So that's, that's pretty much determining. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the half court offense, I think is, is one of the, the areas where if you want to make the argument for the jazz, like that's where mm-hmm. it really shines through because the jazz have the number one half court offense in the league and it's it's a huge margin. Like th- this is a massive differential. Um, they're at one point oh three points per possession. The Hawks are at point nine nine six. Like that doesn't sound like a big differential. That's massive. The Jazz are so much better in half court offense than everybody else. That gives them an absolutely huge leg up. Um, Brandon, you said that the number two is blank, which you know, good for you for that that performative uh, exercise. That's right. Who is the actual number two? I'm assuming it's the Suns. It's not. I'm with Raheem. I got the Jazz, Jazz over the okay. Suns. So, yeah, uh, similarly to Raheem, uh, I'm putting a lot on net rating, on SRS. Jazz are ahead on both of those. And I think, too, you know, I understand Jazz Suns pretty close to me. I, I don't have a problem with putting Suns over the Jazz. They're pretty even. The main thing is I, I just don't think that I, I know we just played twice last week, Suns versus Warriors. I know the Suns won the healthier game between the team when Booker actually played. I just don't think you make a incredibly reasonable argument that the Suns should be ahead of the Warriors in a rankings. So if you look at some of the ratings offensively, the Warriors are further ahead of the Suns on offensive rating than the Suns are from the Suns are closer to the number 26 team in offensive rating than they are to the Warriors on defense. Even though the Suns, I think are second right now and the Warriors are first, the Suns are closer to the number 15 team. So league average than they are to the Warriors in first. Golden State is just that far out ahead. And then Utah is, uh, you know, number one offense way out ahead in that area. So I prefer offense to defense. It matters a little bit more. So I've got jazz ahead of Suns, but I think that they're pretty close. Raheem, who's your fourth team? My number four team is actually quite shocking, but it's the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I'm looking at this and I don't actually have any prior settings to this right now. So the Bulls right now, they're fourth in net rating. Plus 4.5, I think that has a big deal to do with it. 
also they're coming off a win against the Brooklyn Nets. So when you have wins over teams like that, it tends to push you up in my power rating. I like it. Um, I was disappointed. So this is like the first week I went back and looked week by week. This is the first week that my top five just, it mirrors the standings. And I was like, come on, man. Like, that's not fun. That's not interesting. I was really bummed by that. I was like, come on. Um, But yeah, mine, I've got fourth. I've got the Brooklyn Nets. So um, I still have the Nets as being um, significantly higher than Chicago. A lot of that is because Chicago's half court offense does not shine through. Um, Mm -hmm. Chicago's half court defense does. The Bulls are the number one team in transition this season. That's a huge part of their advantage. They're, I talked about the Jazz and how big of an advantage they have in terms of half-court offense. The Bulls are the same thing in transition. The Bulls this season are averaging 1.22 points per possession uh, in transition, according to Synergy Sports. That is uh, 0.3 better than the Suns. I have to go back and look. I'm going to bet that the, that the Bulls right now are on pace for one of the best transition marks in offense of all time. Um, now, they don't run that as often. Right. Which is one of the reasons why the bulls slide behind the nets. It's like, if you're really good in that and you're dependent on it, it's difficult for you to keep that up. Uh, I will say the Chicago bulls offense is trending in the right direction. They have via cleaning the glass. They are, I believe 10th in offensive rating in the last two weeks adjusted for non-garbage time. So the bulls offense is trending in the right direction. So to go over again, Raheem's got one warriors, two jazz. The Suns are three. Yes. I need to confirm that. Yes, the Suns are three. Suns are three, and then the Bulls at four. We'll get to number five in a second. Um, I've got Warriors, Suns, Jazz, Nets. Brandon, who's your fourth team? So I do not have the Bulls or the Nets as my fourth team. Those are actually my fifth and sixth teams. Number four for me is the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks are 15 and nine. However, if you break that up, anytime one of the big three is out, they're five and nine. With all three of them playing, they're 10 and 0 this season. They're the champs. They're undefeated with their big three. They're still missing Lopez all year. We just saw this morning, Monday morning, Dante DiVincenzo looks like he's going to start practicing soon, return soon. We saw he's a big part of their rotation. So that's a big return soon. Yeah, it's, it's a bit, you know, by, by net rating, SRS, some of those things, uh, Chicago really should be ahead of them for me. That's my, my fifth team. But putting priors in and looking at just recent performance and their performance with the, you know, the full unit out there, basically, even without Lopez, I had to put Milwaukee at top of the East. And I think considering what they look like when they're actually pretty healthy, I think that they maybe have an argument against the Suns or jazz, but I kept them below for now. So I went back this weekend. I looked at how uh, this model I'm test driving this season has done versus every single team. Um, the one that stands out as the worst is the Atlanta Hawks. My model doesn't know what to do with the Hawks. No, no clue what to do with Atlanta. They're too inconsistent night to night. Surprisingly, I thought Milwaukee would be up there. Surprisingly, I'm actually 63% on, on Bucks bets this season, um, if just using the model. Um, and that's for like every single game they played. I think it's interesting. I've got the Bucks way lower because obviously like they just got nuked in some of these games that were lower that when they were had some of those teams out. I don't mind putting them if you're like, if you're adjusting for those guys being out, I like, there's no way to complain about that. Like realistically, we we're to adjust for all of the injuries across the board in the league. Like the bucks are probably, they're probably second. Like if I was to just to guesstimate that, I would probably say based off of their performances when fully healthy, they're probably second behind the warriors um, in terms of net rating versus opponent um, factor for strength, the schedule and, and, and all those things. So 
Uh, can't hate that at all. That's your fourth team. Um, Raheem, let's go ahead and round it out. So Suns, or I'm sorry, yeah, Warriors. Warriors, Jazz, Warriors, Suns, Suns, Chicago Bulls. Yeah. And I really don't like this at all, but it has the Miami Heat here. Ooh. Yeah, like I, I, I don't like this at all, but they had such a big start to the season. Obviously, they had some blowout wins. They were one of the top defensive teams. I was obviously they lost Bam for an extended period of time. Butler has been out, but I think this is taking some of the early season numbers and it's impacting this rating. And I don't have I don't have my priors put in. So if I, I think if I put my priors in, you see the Bucks and the Nets a lot higher. But this is just for this season. So I think this is this rating is going to drop by next week or so. Miami is 15th in half court offense. And as a result, they take a big drop in mine. Um, they're all the way down at eight in my model. Um, fifth for me is the Chicago Bulls. Um, like I mentioned, they are like they're significantly behind behind Brooklyn because of that, that transition and half court stuff. Um, it is kind of funny, though, with regards to the Nets. Uh, I took a look at I'm always paying attention to, to win profile. Right. How do you do versus good teams? How do you do versus bad teams? The Nets are six and seven versus teams that are 500 and above. They are 10 and O versus teams under 500. So effectively the nets are doing the the, kind of the opposite of what they did last season, which is they're just annihilating the bad teams and they can't, they don't, they don't have a lot of signature wins. They lost Chicago this weekend. They got Mm -hmm. trounced by the bucks on opening night. Um, They've had a lot. They got got beat by the warriors. Like they don't have a lot of signature wins in their profile. Chicago, on the other hand, is a little bit more inconsistent where they're nine and four versus teams 500 and above, which is excellent. I believe that is the best in the Eastern Conference for most wins so far this season versus teams 500 and above. Um, And third in the league behind the Warriors and Suns, who are 10 and three and 10 and two, respectively. But Chicago, seven and four versus teams under 500. Um, So they are a little bit more inconsistent this season. Something to watch for as the season goes along, Brandon, what's your number five team? I've got my Chicago bulls in at number five. I know they're more math Chicago bulls at this point than I can really take credit for, but yeah, I don't have too much more to add by net rating SRS. They're actually fourth in both of those. And you know, they're only a little bit ahead of the nets, but as any good power rankings would do, the bulls just went to Brooklyn this weekend and got the job done. So they got to be ahead in the power rankings. So bulls are in at five, just ahead of the nets for me. All right, that'll wrap it up for power ratings for this week. Next week, we'll probably do the bottom five because uh, I'm very interested to see what the, the boys' models say are the teams that absolutely suck in this league. That'll be fun for next week on buckets. I mean, well, I think everybody knows Oklahoma City is at the bottom. <laughs> you know, well, 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 well. Not, not unless they, if they keep losing by 73 every game, they're probably going to be down there by next week. I, I tell you, I don't have them there. Don't. Don't have yeah, wow. but how many more 73 point losses until they get there? Uh like two. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go to this week's drama leans. Talking about the biggest stories in the NBA and all of the drama that's constantly going on around the NBA. This week's drama lean. We're gonna talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and the Portland Trailblazers. Sean Sharani of the uh, Athletic reported on Monday morning that the Portland Trailblazers, amid the firing of Neil O'Shea, um, there is discussion of major changes to the roster. And most notably, the big takeaway was that Damian Lillard, quote, is interested in playing with one Ben Simmons. Um, I will let you guys react. I need to like go ahead and let you know what 
Like I'm writing this up for Action Network. I was working on it over the weekend and then didn't get out in time. It's pretty typical. This is what I've got on this whole situation from talking to people around the league. Uh, after Neil O'Shea was uh, relieved of his duties as GM and president of basketball operations for the Blazers, I asked a number of GMs what they expected Portland to do. And they said, our expectation is that a lot is that Dame still won't be available, but a lot of the guys that were not previously available will be more so. The Blazers were really reluctant because they had doubled and tripled down on the idea that the roster was not the problem. Um, CJ McCollum was drafted by Neil O'Shea. He was a win for Neil O'Shea. With O'Shea gone, there is an expectation that CJ McCollum will be more available in trade talks. This opens up the possibility of a deal with uh, the Sixers involving Simmons. This has always kind of made the, if you're looking around the league, this made kind of the most sense was CJ McCollum is a sub all-star, right? Really good player, dynamic scorer, can light it up, um, could score on his own, would play well next to Embiid, but not like a superstar, which is what the Sixers want. But Simmons's value has been so impacted by both what happened in the playoffs, the trade demand, uh, Philly's lack of leverage, and then everything that's gone on this season with him that it kind of like takes some of the, of the burn off of that. The Blazers do have a number of other options available as well. Norman Powell, Robert Covington. There is some belief around the league that use of Nurkic will probably be at least discussed in various options um, for some sort of replacement. Nurkic has looked miserable under Chauncey Billups, which is surprising because he talked about how much he loved Chauncey. Um, so there's an expectation there. I, the other idea that was kind of floated was, okay, if they're changing things, then why aren't they open to Damian Lillard being moved? This I not only spoke with people around the league, but also directly um, people close to Damian Lillard still believe that he is wants to stay in Portland, that he wants to try and make this work. That doesn't mean that that won't change eventually in time. But as of right now, I am not expecting Damian Lillard to be involved in any trade discussions with the Portland Trailblazers or with, I'm sorry, with the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers will, will keep pushing that. But I'm also told that the Sixers have a lot of, they're at least projecting that they have a lot of more, a lot more options on the table. Now that we're into the season, teams are a little bit more desperate and more players are available as of the 10th because players that were signed in the off season will be eligible as of the December 10th deadline. So Raheem, I'll first ask you, let's say that the, that the Sixers make a move for CJ McCollum and let's throw in Robert Covington. Okay. Uh, it will involve the picks are going to be really sticky there because the Blazers are going to want the Sixers picks and the Sixers are going to want the Blazers picks and that's going to get sticky. However, let's say that that's the core of the deal in terms of player personnel is CJ and Covington. How does that alter your view of the Sixers? I'm going to be honest. It kind of doesn't. Yeah. Like R Robert Covington is, is kind of washed at this point. Yeah. I like CJ McCollum. I do think it, it makes an impact, but I, I just don't, I'm not sure it makes them a championship contender. And that's what the purpose is of what Maury said he wanted to do. He wanted, he's not going to trade his superstar point guard, power forward, playmaker who can pretty much do everything except for shoot for somebody who's not going to bring them tournaments to a contender. And I, I, I like CJ McCollum. I mean, he can space the floor around and be, but he's not the playmaker. He's not the defender that Ben Simmons is. And I think this is a huge downgrade. Now, obviously Ben Simmons has been playing. So you, you get a guy into the lineup who really hasn't played basketball, but I, I personally don't see it happening to me. It feels like a pipe dream. It's like, Damian Lillard says he wants to play with Ben Simmons. 
I want to play with Rihanna. Like, what are we saying? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, <dreams>. um, <laughs> Rude boy. So I think, <laughs> I think an interesting question here. Let's say that you replace Covington. And I, I don't know if this is going to be doable, especially off the extension. I don't know if this is eligible, but um, let's say that the six are starting lineup was Tyrese Maxey, CJ McCollum. So here's a question is if you do that, do you take, do you take Maxey or Curry out of the starting lineup? That's an interesting question, right? Cause I don't think you can play CJ at three. I think you take Maxey out of the starting lineup and you have him just destroy second units. Okay. So let's say that we get Powell. So you get CJ, Seth Curry, Norman Powell, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. That's a lot of spacing. That's a lot of spacing. That is <laughs> the most and spacing you, the Sixers have ever had. Yeah, and, and you got a, and you got a guy off the off the bounce that can actually create out of pick and roll, and you got Powell that can defend at the three. Brandon, does that improve the Sixers' chances to win the East? In your opinion, that improves the Sixers' offense a lot. Yeah. Gives them you know a lot of offensive spacing. But boy, am I worried about what that defense is is left with because. It already hasn't been good enough because guess what? Missing Ben Simmons hurts your defense. And, you know, we, we learned this over and over and over and over again in the NBA. Joel Embiid, great defender, awesome defender. Went healthy and went out there. He's fantastic. Defense is not a one-man game. You got to have the other guys. And like you see, you know, I saw a conversation today on Twitter about like defensive metrics and like, oh, why is, why is Vucevic, you know, near, near the top of some of these metrics? Well, it's because partly because we got Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso out in the perimeter and they're slowing things down and then it helps Vucevic look better. Look at Gobert in the playoffs last year when he suddenly didn't have any help on the perimeter and he looked awful out there. Like defense is more than just Embiid and I don't know that that defense is going to be good enough. You also are going to take a lot of touches and usage away from Embiid. So does that like... What's the pro and con of that? And is Joel going to be along for the ride when he suddenly is sacrificing like five, six points a game to some of these other guys? I, I, I think that Daryl Morey all along has been staunch about, I'm not going to trade Ben Simmons for these offers out there. Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum because it's a downgrade. I think Daryl Morey is right. Ben Simmons is a higher caliber of player than CJ McCollum. We've talked for years about like, well, should the Blazers blow it up? Dame and CJ, it's just not good enough. I think we're doing Dame a disservice. Dame is good enough. CJ is not good enough. As a partnership, it's not good enough because CJ has not been good enough. And if I'm Portland, absolutely. Go get Ben Simmons. Let's see what we can do. It's not working as it is. I don't know that CJ moves the needle enough, especially now that Maxi has been playing so well. I'm not sure he really adds a ton more. If you, if you gave me prime Robert Covington or something close to it, that's more interesting. If Covington was what he used to be, then he fits a lot and is a perfect fit in that new mold of the team. But I, I don't know. I will say there have been playoff series where CJ's carried Dame, like especially versus Denver. Yeah. When, when Dame gets blitzed, he gets shut down. And CJ's actually picked up the slack a lot of times. I think the bigger problem is just that the combination of Dame, CJ, and Nurk, you just can't get stops. Yeah. Nurk has to play drop. 
those guys can't go over the screen. Like that's really, that really honestly is what it, what it boils down to as much. Like we try and make this into like this nebulous, like who's good enough and who's bad. Like, I'm just telling you the offense eradicates their problem is specifically they have to play drop with Nurkic. They can't play anything else. CJ and Dame can't get over screens. You got to play a scheme where CJ doesn't, where CJ and Dame don't have to go over screens. Like you have to be able to do that. And if you can't, then it's not going to work. This is one of the problems is like Simmons allows you maybe to not have to do that as much that you can hide Dame on somebody else. And even if they hunt him, you can maybe change up and switch it a little bit. But I still think you're, as long as you have Dame and Nurk, I think you're going to have problems. They pretty much have the problem that the Warriors had with Steph Curry and Monte Monte Ellis. And I think, yeah, I think Jerry West realized, okay, I got to have bigger guards around Curry. I got to have Klay Thompson. I got to have, from Andre Iguodala. I got to have Sean Livingston. I got to have all these guys with length. And for whatever reason, Portland never realized that. They were just cool having Damon CJ being one of the top five offenses in the league for the last five, six seasons and not being able to stop anybody. I got to ask about Yusuf Nurkic too. So Matt, I know you, you know a lot about Nurkic having been on Denver for a while. I've always been a big fan of Nurk. Like when he's healthy, normally he has pretty good metrics. He's a good player. What team is training for Nurkic? Like he he blows up your identity. Like he not meaning like in a locker room or anything. Just like what team suddenly is like, oh, let's just add Nurkic into our situation. It it, it changes so much of like your style of play, your pace of play, the way you have to defend. Like that to me is not really a midseason acquisition. What what's the team? that is thinking like, oh yeah, let's go get Nurk. He's going to be the guy for us right now. No, it's the opposite. Like you're, you're, you, what you want to do is like, you're looking for a team that's basically like, we'll take Nurkic and give you assets if we get picks back in return. Like that's what you're looking at. Or a team that's looking to blow it up entirely. And it's just like, we're just moving out assets and we'll take Nurk back because he's a future asset. We can then swap again, but that's it. Uh, Nurk comes with attitude questions. He's had motivational problems. This is one of the things he's looked absolutely lifeless and miserable when Dame's not on the floor because Dame holds him accountable. That's been like the going, like, that's not a secret. Everybody knows that. Like he played well because Dame holds him accountable. Like they have a good relationship. When Dame doesn't play, he looks like he's just drifting. Um, He talked about like, I don't know what the future holds after last season. That was when he had another year on his contract. Who does that? He's a clutch client. Warning. Like, that's not great. Um, And his defensive metrics are good, but they struggle whenever you are put him in, in like in certain lineups or in certain situations. His overall numbers are good but it's never enough to make a, enough of an impact where you, could, you he's not a system guy. You can't build a system around Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Indiana, if they blow it up, OKC, if they're willing to do like a swap just to hold him, um, those type of teams, that's what you'd be looking at. And you're just trying to change up the, the identity. Uh, let's go to our final segment because we got to keep moving here on buckets. And we're going to get to the big picture. We're changing this up. The big picture every week is going to be a marquee game on Tuesday nights, and TNT has made that their night. They moved off of Thursday for the duration of football season. And we're going to go to the big game on, to me without question, is Mavericks-Nets. Uh, the Nets, obviously, we've talked about like their performances in various situations. Had a disappointing loss to the Bulls, but overall, they are right where they want to be. The Mavericks, on the other hand, struggling like the the all of the numbers that said they were worse than their record have started to catch up with them they've had disappointing losses the fan base is absolutely miserable watching them half of the time um they are threatening to slide out of the top of the playoff picture and into play in slash maybe on the on the outskirts of being out it's pretty bad in dallas 
So we asked, we reached out to PointsBet, and PointsBet was kind enough to give us an advance line on this game as we record this on Monday. Uh, the advance line is as such. The Nets will be a one-point favorite on the road at Dallas if Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, who have missed the last two games, are available. If they do not play, this line moves all the way seven points to Nets minus eight. So, Raheem, I'll start with you. What does your model say for this game? Who do you like in Nets Mavericks? Let's assume that KP and Luca are back. I think it's that's a doable. Another injury is major. I think it's likely both guys play. Let's say they play. Who do you like in this matchup? I like the, the Nets in this matchup. My model makes this game Nets minus three and a half. I believe they points bet said that with Luca and KP back, the spread is, is is Nets minus one. But I think that's short. When you look at these two teams. The Nets are top 10 in offensive rating and defensive rating. Dallas is just 19th in offensive rating, and they're 21st in three-point shooting. That's what this team wants to do. They want to spread the floor and have Luka beat you on a driving kick and pass out to open three-point shooters. They're shooting 40% of their attempts from behind the arc, but they just aren't making these threes. And I know people can say, oh, yeah, this is going to regress at some point. But you look at guys like Reggie Bullock, who they brought in, He's struggling. He's like he's almost shooting 27% at this point. And his, his numbers from what he did in New York have completely plummeted. I, I don't see how you can go with the Mavs in this spot. I've got it at uh, Nets minus four and a half. What's going to be interesting is if Luca is out and KP is out, I may wind up having to go back in on the Mavericks because my entire thing is like trying to underestimate the impact of those guys being out like the Mavericks have not actually been blown out without Luca. It's been like a weird thing. Like they haven't just gotten their tails, their teeth kicked in. They've been okay. Cause they still have like Jalen Brunson and they've got, you know, Tim Hardaway jr. And these kind of guys. So um, it's kind of an interesting spot. I, 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 it would be tough. It would have to get steamed up to like 10. If it's, if it reopens eight, if those guys are out and it goes to 10, I'll probably get back in on Dallas. That's a that. I mean, what, what does this say that they got blown out the other day by the Pelicans with Luca? Yeah, I mean it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I'm no no doubt. It's bad. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I've been fading the Mavericks. That's been my one of my one of the reasons I'm up this week is from fading Dallas. Um, Brandon, what do you like in this Tuesday night matchup? Yeah, I, I'm about with you guys. I have Nets minus five is what I would expect it to be. So I think that the line's a little bit short as well. Uh, I'm it surprised me because I don't even really get that excited about the Nets. You know, we just did our power rankings and two of the three of us don't even have the Brooklyn Nets, the title favorites in our top five right now. I think that we're continuing to overrate them a little bit, but the Mavs just haven't been good. Luka Doncic has been not good enough, not anywhere near the MVP favorite he was supposed to be. He's 26 right now in EPM uh, at dunks and threes. He's 15th in EPM offensively. Um, 68% 68% free throws is a career low for him. 54% true shooting is career low. His free throw rate is way down, almost 50% from usual. Just not good enough. And we already knew the whole roster is not good enough. The roster had to be elevated by Luca. So if you look too, the, the Mavs have played the Heat, the Bulls, and the Suns. They played Phoenix twice. They're own four in those games. They lost by eight, seven, 10, and 15. Who who is Dallas's best win against? Like off the top of your head, like actual question, who's the best Dallas win that you remember this season? I have a few candidates if you need some. The Clippers. Yeah, Clippers in overtime, right? And, so, and even but, when you look at the Clippers, the Clippers 
they have a pretty poor offense. And if, if Paul George doesn't have it going, they could lose to anybody. They got blown out by the Kings twice last week. So yeah. they, beat, they beat Denver on a back-to-back. Missing three starters. Boston, maybe? Yeah. Th- those are the three candidates. It's Boston, but without Jalen Brown. And they won by three. It's Denver without three Denver starters. Or it's the Clippers in overtime. Like, it's, it's not great. It's not a great resume. If this were a college tournament where we have to vote on performance and resume, Dallas is not going to get very good seed here. So yeah, I, I just, I just don't think Dallas is very good. You know, they're, they're 10 and 12. We've been, or they're expected 10, 12, they're 11, 11. So they've been slowly sliding down. It looks like they're cold, but they're really not. They're just kind of regressing to what the numbers have said. They ought to have been anyways. They're just kind of moving toward that. It's, uh, it's not pretty for Dallas. We're recording this on Monday. Uh, we don't have, I didn't get an advanced total on this game. Uh, by the way, our friends at points bet remind you that this line may change by the time that's posted. You know, if KP plays and Luka doesn't, et cetera, et cetera, um, it may change before when it's actually posted on Monday night. Um, Raheem, what do you have the total projected out here? Yeah, about 214 and a half. I think it's actually accurate. Like the other day, I actually played them. I played their total against the Pelicans. I played them under. I think some of their, some of their, over-unders or like high just because they're not a great defensive team. But when you look at the pace, they're just 25th in pace. So, yeah, Dallas, they don't play a fast-paced game at all. And then, obviously, the Nets, their offense hasn't been as great as it was last year. They're just 10th in offensive rate. So, depending on who's playing, if if Luka or KP play, it's going to change things. That's why they don't have a total up. So Dallas is 25th in offense and possession length via dunks and threes. So they're playing really slow, even beyond like the possession data and Dallas is 25th in defensive possession length. So they have a really slow, like that's a long time. They have the, they have the one, two, three, four, five, six longest uh, defensive position length as well. So basically these Dallas, these Dallas games are probably a little bit underrated for the under. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit hesitant right now on totals because the offenses are rapidly re- regressing back to the meme. Our, our guy Austin has done a lot of work on, on Action Network covering that. So I'm trying to be a little bit, I, I want things to settle a little bit more mm-hmm. after the early season unders binge before I get back in on totals. But uh, definitely uh, it'll be interesting to see. So you've got 214 there as projected total. Mine's lower, which is to be expected because of um, Brooklyn's defense is still. My, my numbers are still showing that Brooklyn's defense is. You know what, though? Actually, I, I don't know if I want to play an under on this game. And I think you 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 hinted on something that I think that was like deadly accurate. Like I actually played an under on Nets Warriors, and it got there. But you saw Brooklyn's defense; it's yeah. not nearly as good as their metrics say they are. So I think there's going to be edges on some Nets totals that don't necessarily show within the market. I mean, don't show within the models. And I yeah. think that's where sometimes you got to throw the numbers out, and you got actually got to do some handicapping and. I do, I do think the the Nets are going to actually give up some some open shots. So this this I, I really want to see what they put this total at. I'm I'm really interested in. Before you out of here, Brandon, you got any, you got any prop angles for this game? Yeah, uh, one prop that Joe Delera, our guy, has been hitting Patty Mills a lot of Patty overs lately. So Patty's obviously playing a lot bigger role. He's in the starting lineup with their injuries. So last ten games for Patty, seventeen point four points a game. During that stretch, he's taken at least seven to three-pointers, eight of the 10 games. So he's had at least two makes in all of those. Usually his line is at two and a half. He's at six of the 10 
with four three-pointers or more, four of the 10 with five or more. So this is a case where you want to maybe do that escalator thing, play the, the alternate lines, play for four threes, five threes, half of those games is at 21 points. So skip the regular lines. If Patty shoots, if the shots are falling, he's hitting those really high numbers. So good shot to go for Patty here. I think it's a pretty good matchup for him to get some points too. Okay. I just saw this, by the way, Porzingis says his knee injury woke him up in the middle of the night with pain. So maybe don't expect Porzingis to play. Uh, that probably moves it to maybe Nets minus four. Does that sound about right, Raheem? Is he? I don't yeah, know. Sam. Is he? I don't know. Is he worth three to the spread? That seems high. Yeah, that is, that maybe, is a little high. Maybe three, and then Luca covers the other four points of that differential. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. That 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 is a little high for KP. I'm just trying to think about it. Um, maybe in this match, I mean, because it's not like the Nets have like huge bigs, right? So it's just like, I think that's where a lot of the edge for Dallas comes is that you, you got KP, you got Maxi, you got Dwight Powell. Um, yeah, I, I don't Hold know. On. That's probably, that's probably one of the plays, right? Brandon is if KP doesn't play, maybe go with Powell, right? Cause he's going to get a lot of opportunities in, in pick and roll situations. Yeah, that makes sense too. And it's a, it may be a good spot for Luca assess for the same reason, but yeah, it's uh, Paul is a hard one. He's a hard one to play just because he just has games where he just doesn't get the minutes and you not, never really know when that's going to be coming. So yeah, but both of these teams really are mostly on my no list just because they're so unpredictable. I just yeah. don't really like to go in on it right now. Right. All right. It's going to wrap it up for buckets for your Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to revisit a five-star review. Tell a friend about buckets and be like, Hey, I listen to this great NBA betting pod check it out. You need to download the Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks, get information on where the money's coming in, totals. You can get all the the analysis and picks from Brandon and Raheem. Follow them in the Action Network app, award-winning Action Network app. Check out the Action Network podcast for NFL coverage from Brandon and Raheem Mondays and Fridays. Check out the favorites with Chad Millman and the professional better Simon Hunter. Check out Wonder Goal on soccer. Check out Line Change. See that one. Check that one out as well if you're into hockey. Uh, if you're into college basketball as well as NBA, make sure to check out the Big Bets on Campus podcast with Stucky and Colin Wilson. That'll do it for this episode of Buckets. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time. Let's get buckets.